0: Chapter Ten of Kit and Kitty by Richard Doddridge Blackmore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Ten: An Upward Stroke. The character of Captain Fairthorne, better known to the public now as Sir Humphrey Fairthorne, but he had not as yet conferred dignity upon knighthood, will be understood easily by those who have the knowledge to understand it. But neither Uncle Corney nor myself, although we were getting very clever now at Sunbury could manage at all to make him out at first though it must have been a great deal easier then than when we came to dwell upon him afterwards all that he said was so perfectly simple and yet he was thinking of something else all the time and everything he did was done as if he let some one else do it for him i cannot make any one understand him for the plainest of all plain reasons i could never be sure that i myself understood him and this was not at all because he meant to be a mystery to any one, for that was the last thing he would desire, or even believe himself able to be. The reason that kept him outside of our reason, so far as I can comprehend it, was that he looked at no one of the many things to be feared, to be desired, to be praised, or blamed, from the point of view we were accustomed to, I had thought that my uncle cornelius though he was sharp enough always and sometimes too sharp upon me in my doings was upon the whole the most deliberate and easy going of mortals but a mere glance at professor Fairthorne showed how vastly the breadth of mankind was beyond me to look at his face without thinking about him was enough to compose any ordinary mind and charm away any trivial worries but to listen to his voice and observe him well and meet his great eyes thoughtfully and to catch the tranquillity of his smile this was sufficient to make one ashamed of paltry self-seeking and trumpery cares and to lead one for the moment into larger ways and yet he was not a man of lofty visions poetic enthusiasm or ardent faith in the grandeur of humanity i never heard him utter one eloquent sentence and i never saw him flush with any fervour of high purpose he simply seemed to do his work because it was his nature, and to have no more perception of his influence over others than they had of the reason why he owned it. So far as we could judge he was never thinking of himself, and that alone was quite enough to make him an enigma. Now many people suppose and very naturally too, that my warm admiration of the daughter impelled me to take an over lofty view of the father. People would be quite wrong, however, for in that view I was not alone every one concurred and even carried it still further and certainly there was no personal resemblance to set me on that special track professor or as i shall call him henceforth because he preferred it captain Fairthorne was not of any striking comeliness his face was very broad and his mouth too large and his nose might be said almost to want reblocking. and other faults might have been found by folk who desired to talk picturesquely but even the hardest of mankind to please in everything but self-examination would have found no need and small opportunity for improvement in his eyes and forehead i know my own stupidity or at least attempt to do so when it is not altogether too big yet i dare to deny that it had anything to do with the charm i fell under in this man's presence and this is more than proved by the fact that uncle corny as dry an old grower as ever was frozen out could resist the large quietude of our visitor even less than i could for the captain had been sent for sure enough about a little business so far below his thoughts and when he came into our garden to thank us for all we had done towards the discovery of the thief and especially to thank me for my valiant services to his daughter it was no exaggeration at all to say that i wished the earth would hide me from his great gray eyes under their kindly and yet distant gaze i felt what a wretched little trickster i had been and if he had looked at me for another moment i must have told him everything for the sake of his forgiveness but he unhappily for himself if he could be unhappy about little things measured his fellow-men by his own nature and suspected nothing until it had been proved and at that very moment he caught sight of something which absorbed him in a scientific zeal we could not follow a young tree dead he exclaimed and with all its foliage hanging three other young trees round it injured on the sides towards it when did you observe this had you that storm on saturday yes sir it did rain cats and dogs my uncle answered after thinking we said that it might break the long bad weather and it seems to have done it at last thank the lord there was a lot of lightning but not so very nigh and no trees were struck from above not even that old oak which seems to have been struck some years ago may i cross the border and examine that young tree thank you have you ever known a case like this before they passed very dangerously near the old oak and i trembled as that villain of a regular showed his base want of gratitude by a long howl but luckily neither of them heard it I went to the door and threatened him with instant death and then followed to hear the discussion about the tree you have known it before captain fairthorne was saying but not for some years and if you remember right not when the storms were particularly near i have heard of several similar cases but never had the fortune to see one until now you perceive that the life is entirely gone the leaves are quite black but have a narrow yellow margin forgive me for troubling you mr orchardson but when did you notice this condition of the tree? Well, sir, it kept on raining up until dark on Saturday, and I did not chance to come by here on Sunday, but on Monday morning it was as you see it now, gone off all of a heap, and no cause for it. As healthy a young tree as you would wish to look at, a kind of pear we call boure deal, dead as a doornail, you can see. Get get a spade and dig it up for professor thank you not yet i was going home to-night but this is a matter i must examine carefully that is to say with your kind permission we use big words mr orchardson that sound very learned and we write very positively from other people's observation but one case that we have seen with our own eyes and searched into the spot to the very utmost of our power is worth fifty we have only read of you will think me very troublesome i greatly fear and of gardening matters i know less than nothing but you will oblige me more than i can say if you will let me come again and try to learn some little you know what has killed this tree i presume no sir we have not got any sense at all about it my uncle answered stoutly it is the will of the lord when a tree goes off or or if it is the doing of any chap of mine he goes off too and there is an end of it something amiss with these roots i take it his boots were tipped with heavy iron and he was starting for a good kick at the young tree when i ran between and said uncle let it stay just as it is for a day or two it can't draw anything out of the ground and this gentleman would like to examine it as it is young gentleman that is a very good point captain Fairthorne. as he spoke looked kindly at me if i could be permitted to have my own way i would have a little straw shaken round it to-night as lightly as may be without any foot coming nearer than can be helped to it that will keep the surface as it is from heavy rain or any other accident then if i may be indulged in my crotchets i would bring my daughter who draws correctly to make a careful sketch and colour it and after that is done and i have used my treble lens at every point of divergence i would ask as a very great favour to be allowed to open the ground myself and trace the roots from their terminal fibres upwards i would not dare to ask all this for my own sake mr orchardson but because we may learn something from it of a thing as yet little understood what is called the terrestrial discharge we get more and more into big words you see you have known trees destroyed in this way before it only happens on certain strata it has happened here sir for generations said my uncle trying hard to look scientific the thunderstorm blight is what we call it we call anything a blight when the meaning is beyond us seems as if some trees were subject to it i never knew an apple-tree took this way but pear-trees have been so times out of mind though never none but the younger ones a few years agone i can't say how many seventeen young pear-trees were killed outright ten in one part of the grounds and seven in another and not a mark to be found on one of them. all as dead as door-nails when we come to look at them a blight or a blast that's what we call it and there's nothing to do but to plant another a truly british view of the question captain Fairthorne answered with his sweet smile which threw me into a glow by its likeness to a smile yet lovelier i wish i could tell you how i feel for the english fruit grower in his hard struggle with the climate the dealers and the foreign competition it is a hard fight always much worse than the farmers and a season like this is like knocking a drowning man on the head and yet you are so brave that you never complain the truth of these words and the tone of good-will made a deep impression upon both of us especially upon my uncle who had to find the money for everything no sir we never complain he replied we stand up to the seasons like our own trees and we keep on hoping for a better time next year but there are very few that know our difficulties and folk that can scarcely tell a pear from an apple go about the country spouting and riding by the yard concerning of our ignorance let them try it is all i say let them try it if they are fools enough why bless my heart there's a fellow preaching now about the sorting of apples as if we had not done it before he sucked his coral but i won't go on maundering time will show glad to see you sir at any time and if i should happen to be about the grounds my nephew kit will see to everything you want what time shall we see you to-morrow sir we were walking to the gate by this time and captain Fairthorne pulled out his watch i observed that he had a true sailor's walk and a sailor's manner of gazing round and the swing of his arms was nautical what a time i have kept you he exclaimed with simple wonder and i have forgotten altogether my proper business i was to have tried some special means for recovering the dog we were speaking of unless he is heard of to-night i shall have little time to spare to-morrow i am bound to do all i can for my good hostess but to think that a dog and a dog of no benevolence according to my daughter should stand in the way of this most interesting matter however i will do my best all the morning and try to be with you by eleven o'clock if i cannot come then you will know what the cause is but even for the best of dogs i must not drop the subject now i thank you most heartily good night what a wonderful man was my uncle's reflection to know all about trees and thunderstorms and dogs and covent garden and yet to let a woman twist him round her thumb and tread on his child and turn his pockets inside out come along kit i am pretty nigh starved and this wonderful man added yet another crown to his glory that very same night as i heard for to him and his wisdom was set down the credit of a joyful and extraordinary event a young man slouching with a guilty conscience and a bag on his back might have been seen if his bad luck had prevailed approaching a fine old mansion craftily when the shadows stole over the moon if there was one then an accurate observer might have noticed a quadruped of somewhat downcast mien issuing with much hesitation from a sack and apparently reluctant to quit his guardian who had evidently won his faithful heart but receiving stern orders to make himself scarce he might next be seen gliding to a gloomy door uplifting wistfully one ancient paw scraping at the paint where it had been scraped before and then throwing his head back and venting his long-pent emotions in a howl of inexpressible sadness the door was opened and the guardian vanished with suspicious promptitude lights were seen glancing in the long range of windows an outbreak of feminine voices moved the air and after a shrill and unnatural laugh came a sound of hugging and a cry of Run for your life for his liver, Jane. End of chapter 10